Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information is available at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. Friday is when the Spark hosts journalists for a journalist roundtable talking about the stories that made news this week or have an impact on our lives. Joining us today are WITF's Capitol Bureau Chief Sam Dunklaw and LNP reporter Jade Campos. I want to welcome both of you to the program today. Jade, you're on mute. If you could... Uh, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> it's nice being with you guys. Thanks. Yeah, things don't work well on radio when you can't hear each other talking. But uh, <laughs> all sure. right, I want to start uh, with an ongoing story. Jade, we'll talk about uh, something going on in uh, the city of Lancaster here in just a moment. But Sam, this has been something that has been going on since late last year, early this year, at the state capitol, the legislature, not getting anything done. And I'm, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, they're not getting anything done. But literally nothing is happening at the state capitol as far as legislation goes right now because there's a fight in the legislature about who has power, who does what. Every week there's something new. What's the latest this week? So the latest um, uh, reported in Penn Live uh, this past week um, is that uh, House Spe- Speaker Mark Rossi uh, locked or changed the locks, had the Department of General Services change the locks to a suite that was occupied by House Republicans for a long time. Uh, that spent, sent a former House Speaker and now Republican leader uh, Brian Cutler into a bit of a tizzy. Um, uh, the the locks were changed uh, on Tuesday of this past week without letting anybody know. Uh, Cutler's main contention beyond what he had called a breach of trust um, from the Speaker's office was that there were personal files, there were attorney-client privilege documents that were still in that office. Um, there should have been more time. Uh, you know, the, the, in order for the the staffers uh, in Cutler's office to be able to come and retrieve some of those items, but the effect was was clear and palpable. Um, it's another step in sort of what has been escalating tensions between newly elected Speaker Rossi's office and the Republican leadership, who you know, to remind folks, have controlled uh, the House of Representatives for for well over the past decade, and now kind of found themselves in this new position that uh, many. Uh, don't even remember, um, uh, you know, had occurred since you know the, the last time they were out of power was well, well over a decade ago. So, what isn't happening while this is going on? So, primarily, w- there are no procedural rules in the House now. You know, taking separately the fact that the state Senate has convened, has agreed on rules, and uh, can you know operate as its own branch of government, or at least as its own, you know, chamber of the legislature, the House cannot because it has not agreed to the rules that govern when bills can be brought up, when bills can be voted on, who sits in what committee, things like that. And if you don't have those, you can't have those things go on, which means legislation can simply not get done. The Senate can do all they want, as we saw in the last month, passing that series of constitutional amendments. Um, But without the House, you know, you have effectively um, a gridlock. Um, now, in, in, in past years, when 
the legislature has you know agreed to rules properly. A lot of the things that go on in uh, early January into February as we get closer to the budget address are largely procedural in nature. Um, some initial bills are introduced. Uh, maybe there's a dignitary or two that comes to the House. In, in my experience in the past, there hasn't really been gigantic major legislation that has been passed through. Of course, the exception this year being that there were a trio of constitutional amendments that Republicans had hoped to get on the ballot. You can get things like that done. But um, outside of that, you know, we're not talking about major things like the budget and stuff like that. That occurs later in the year. As I said earlier, many people will say nothing's happening in the legislature and they're not getting anything done, which is a sign of cynicism. Does something like this make the people even more cynical? And the follow-up question, and I don't know whether you could even answer this or not, it may be a rhetorical question, do Pennsylvanians care? You know, to address your first question, it's funny you bring that up because uh, the speaker uh, has been on a listening tour um, with uh, different folks uh, in cities across the state. He was in state college this past week. Um, and the concept of this listening tour, as, as folks know, and for those that don't, uh, is to gather public feedback about how the House should operate in the next year, what the rules should look like, um, how the House should um, address this longstanding issue of survivors of childhood sexual abuse, what legislation like that should look like, and things like that. And somebody had come up and had said um, something to the effect of, you know, it's getting harder. This this woman had been a teacher for a long time. Um, she's been working with you, she had said, for decades. And it's getting harder and harder for her as a community activist to tell the kids who are in her orbit that government matters, that your vote matters, especially when uh, there's been the degree of partisan gridlock that has been going on, not only in this past year, but uh, in, in previous years when, uh, you know, as she has said, you know, popular legislation um, uh, like, you know, uh, the laws addressing um, how guns should be regulated in the state, which has some degree of bipartisan compromise. When bills like that have been shut down in the past, it leads folks to think that their vote doesn't matter. So you have that compounded on now what we have is complete procedural gridlock. She had said, you know, the more that that goes on, the harder it is to convince people who are coming up to stay involved in uh, you know, in the government process. And you saw the reaction from lawmakers on that panel were, were you know, a little stunned. Why should people care? Well, government at the local level and at the state level are in charge of your tax dollars. Uh, they are primarily charged with figuring out where that tax money is going, what it should be spent on. A government is a reflection of the of a you know citizens' priorities, of Pennsylvanian priorities, of uh, county priorities, and so forth. So. Um, and you know, like it or not, you you pay taxes uh, one way or the other. You pay taxes with your wages. You pay taxes if you're a, a homeowner. Uh, you pay taxes on your investments if you're an investor. Um, and most people generally have a, a stake in terms of where their money is going. I want to bring uh, Jade Campos of LNP into our conversation. Uh, Jade, Sam just mentioned local government and sure. something that a lot of people don't think about. But uh, if they if they would think about it, is that uh, local government often is much more responsive than, say, state government. The higher you go, the higher level you go, uh, they're representing more constituents, not quite as responsive. Let's talk about something that's going on in the city of Lancaster. Uh, for years, I have heard municipalities, but especially cities, saying, we have to be able to do something to raise revenue that uh, state law 
really restricts us from generating any kind of revenue other than property taxes. Lancaster Mayor Deneen Sirachi is proposing the city change to home rule. First of all, what does that mean? Yeah, so that has been a conversation, like you said, in Lancaster City for a long time. Um, a lot of the council members, Mayor Sirachi herself, have been talking about it. Um, what home rule is, is basically a process um, that allows cities like Lancaster's municipalities throughout Pennsylvania uh, have more flexibility in how they tax their residents. Um, it allows them to self-govern themselves more. Uh, it allows them to create a charter that they will be governed under. So the residents themselves will vote on who creates the charter, and then that commission will create a charter, and then they will ultimately decide hey, I do want this charter to be put in place um, or I don't want this charter to be put in place. So it allows uh, the local residents, the citizens here in Lancaster to actually decide and have more of a choice in, you know, all the daily small things that govern them. Why did Mayor Sirachi bring this up now? Yeah, so, I mean... That's a good question. That has been something that's been going on for a long time. It's something that was considered twice countywide. This is the first time that the city itself is considering home rule, at least starting the process of doing home rule. Uh, and sh what the mayor, what Mayor Sirachi has said is, you know, ARPA uh, is coming around the corner and it's coming around fast. The American Rescue Plan Act uh, funding that the city has received, it will run out in a couple of years. By 2026 is when all of the money has to be spent. Um, and a lot of the city's budget is being balanced on ARPA money. Uh, and so the city's already facing a structural or a budget deficit. Um, and so the mayor is trying to prepare the city to, uh, you know, have something that it can rely on instead of just relying on ARPA money because that's eventually going to run out. How much of a structural deficit? Um, I couldn't really tell you exactly. I don't have that number off the top of my head, but the city has been going through a lot of different budget cuts and um, trying to find different sources of revenues, like finding other statewide grants, not just ARPA funding, uh, to help fund a lot of the resources and services it provides. Uh, public safety is the biggest uh, spent expense, so that's the biggest thing that really needs to get propped up right now. Yeah, the figures I've seen, and this has been an ongoing thing, is that sure. the structural deficit could be in the millions of dollars, maybe even up to $8 million. So the way you described it, and I'm sure that's how Mayor Sirachi laid it out, it sounds like a positive thing, and it's kind of surprising that more municipalities or more government entities haven't gone for this. So what's the downside? Yeah, I mean, I asked myself that question, too, and I asked um, the Department of Community and Economic Development experts with them. They're the, uh, they're the department that kind of helps oversee the home rule process for a lot of municipalities. Uh, the downside is just it takes a really long time. It's uh, about an 18-month process of doing the study and making sure it works with your municipality, and then, uh, you know, nine months for a study, and then nine months to actually draft a charter. So it's just a really, really long process to have to go through to, you know, make sure that you can self-govern more uh, in whatever municipality that you are in. Uh, but also, there are 
different reasons for why municipalities would want to do home rule. And some commissions will go through the study process. Uh, they, you have to put a commission together to decide whether home rule works or not. Um, they'll go through the study process and just decide things are fine as they are. It just, there's no need for a home rule. And just an observation in my experience, when voters are asked about a change in government, often they're a little bit leery thinking, oh, this is going to raise my taxes because local municipalities like Lancaster, if they have other options for raising revenue, voters sometimes see that as, okay, they're going to go up, go with a, an earned income tax and that's going to raise my taxes. So that's something that I'm sure that uh, they have in mind as well. Jade, we were talking uh, about the city of Lancaster and uh, home rule. Something I just want to point out uh, is that, okay, we may be talking specifically about Lancaster here, but Lancaster is a city not unlike a lot of other cities that are dealing with many of the same problems. So many of the things, issues we're talking about here about Lancaster, you could talk about in York, you can talk about in Harrisburg and other cities as well. Wanted to turn to another story, though, and this is a little bit unusual because you don't hear about it very often. You have a story in today's LNP about uh, it was recently determined that Lancaster had too much fluoride in its water. What's that about? The Bureau of Water uh, does, uh, you know, regular testing of its drinking water system just to make sure that the fluoride levels are safe and clean for people to, you know, drink safely. Um, and recent testing in late December, I believe it was December 28th was the day that they conducted uh, a test that found that fluoride levels were 0.31 milligram uh, per liter more than they should have been. The state mandate is 2.0 uh, milligrams per liter. Um, so that prompted the city to say, hey, we need to start doing daily tests just to make sure that the fluoride levels don't get too high again. Uh, and they said that all of the levels have been in compliance ever since then. Um, but it, it's not something that people should be worried about. And, you know, I'm sure that many people who might have received a letter from the city that said fluoride levels were a little bit high, that probably will make you worry. Uh, but they weren't high enough and it wasn't high enough long enough to cause any long term damage. Well, your story did include uh, what some of those long term damages could be with continued high levels of fluoride what are some of those damages yeah so at the at the height that lancaster's fluoride levels were at which was 2.33 milligrams per liter like i said um that would just mostly cause cosmetic staining uh for children whose teeth are still developing um it, you know fluoride is put into drinking water to make sure that you can prevent cavities. But if you have too much exposure of fluoride, it can make your teeth look a little bit different. Um, so at that level, it could cause some browning on your teeth, uh, specifically for children, like I said. Um, but the national uh, mandate for the maximum level of fluoride that you can have in drinking water is 4.0 milligrams uh, per liter. And that's because over a period of time, um, it can cause you know bone disease, 
breakdown of, you know, just how strong your bones are. Uh, but that that would take a lot of exposure and a lot of a long period of time for that to actually happen. Yeah, I don't want to scare anyone here by <laughs> talking about this, because what we're talking about with Lancaster is well below what you're talking about. And apparently it, it hasn't been uh, there, these high levels haven't been there. Or higher levels haven't been there for a while now. Do they know how it happened? I we do not know how it happened. Um, we have not been able to get in contact with the Bureau of Water, um, but a representative from the Coalition for Oral Health in Pennsylvania uh, kind of clued me in a little bit on the process, what she thinks might have happened. Um, it might have just been a mechanical issue. Uh, fluoride is filtered into the water either through a liquid form or a powder form. And so it might have just been a mechanical error that put in a little bit too much of uh, fluoride into the drinking water. So, um, but right now we don't have a concrete answer. Hopefully we'll get that soon though. Hmm. I want to turn back to Sam Dunklaw and the, and the state capitol for just a moment. Uh, Sam, special election, special Senate election this week, and there are some House elections uh, next week that could make some of this controversy go away as far as who's in power. Well, you know, funnily enough about that, um, even after the special elections occur, there has been some reporting that suggests that uh, the uh, the speakership, you know, who is going to actually be the Speaker of the House may indeed change. Um, you know, House Speaker Mark Rossi had been told the Associated Press he certainly hopes to keep uh, his job after the special elections take place and after those uh, members are sworn in. But there is there has been some rumbling for a long time, for months now, uh, that the Democratic caucus largely supports uh, former minority leader uh, Joanna McClinton for speaker. So how that shakes out will 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 certainly, uh, you know, will certainly figure that out um, as time goes on here in those terms of the special elections. But yes, there are three special elections coming up on Tuesday in Allegheny County. Three districts um, that were you know, held by Democrats um, are, uh, are again up for election. You know, we have uh, former state representative Tony DeLuca who passed away last October. Um, he had held that seat for decades. Uh, we have uh, the district that was held by uh, now Congressional Representative Summer Lee, uh, and we have the district that was held by now Lieutenant Governor Austin Davis. So if that gives you a sense of the uh, the makeup of those districts and uh, the chances that a Democratic candidate might have as compared to a Republican, that's why the the thought has been um, by political watchers, by reporters and others that Democrats are likely to be favored in those elections. So we could, not saying definitively, but we could see a Democratic majority come out of those. You know, the, on the Republican side, though, okay, Democrats likely to be favored because of those districts. But I'm, I'm sure one of the reasons that the uh, Republicans have been so upset about this is that likely to be doesn't mean it is. Right. And the voters haven't spoken yet. Right. And, uh, <laughs> you know... The until an election is never over until it's over. Um, the, the Republican And sometimes not even over then. Here we are two years right. later after a presidential election. Right, exactly. And I, I don't think that there's uh, there, there's going to be any of the kind of you know questioning about uh, the results of an election that we've seen in the past. Uh, but yes, there has been a lot of hand-wringing on the Republican side because Republicans lost well over 20 seats uh, in the 2022 midterms. Um, they're reeling after an election loss. There has been some soul-searching within the party in terms of how did this happen. Although, of of course, uh, Republican leaders have largely pointed to the map that was uh, crafted by uh, the redistricting commission uh, in the past year or two that 
once things sort of shook out, uh, favored Democrats, at least in some small part. Now, granted, Democrats did not win as much as they thought they did, but Republicans certainly lost more than more than they thought they did. And that's how we ultimately ended up with this razor thin margin. Only have a minute left. I want to thank both of you for being with us. Uh, and I don't know whether you can do this in a minute or, or, or less, uh, Jade, but who is Edna Amaro? Edna Amaro is a uh, Lancaster City resident who is facing eviction in April. Um, and she shared her story with us at LNP a week ago, and the community has been rallying around her to find a house. Uh, and they've raised over $20,000 for her in a GoFundMe. How did she, I mean, why is she losing her home? Um, the new owner of her house, her landlord, a previous landlord decided to sell the house and the new owner is fixing it up. He says it doesn't meet code and she has to move out in order for that to happen. Um, and the rent is getting bumped up because the house is getting fixed. So it's just not something she can afford anymore. And it's just not feasible for her to live there while renovations are happening. Hmm. But the community seems to be uh, rallying uh, behind uh, Edna Amaro, and it's it's good to see that uh, they are doing that. Uh, I want to thank uh, Jade Campos of LNP in Lancaster for being with us today. Jade, thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. And uh, Sam Dunklaw, WITF's Capitol Bureau Chief. As always, Sam, you're a regular on the program now on Friday. So. You know, i got to say I appreciate that. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> so having Sam, me on, as always. Th- thanks for being with us.